My name is Cameron. I'm the pastor here. But uh, I am not preaching this morning, so you picked a good Sunday to come. Uh, <coughs> nah, I'm just joking. But we do have uh, Sarah and Seth Gerber, who are uh, continuing a series on healing, uh, the restoring of our hearts. And uh, one of the issues with coming into uh, and experiencing love is that often there's obstacles. Uh, and uh, even in our relationship with God, especially in our relationship with others, there's obstacles to uh, deeper intimacy and greater love. They're carrying away all the instruments. <laughs> Pay attention to the people behind the stage. On the stage. And... Uh, so, removing obstacles so that we can have greater intimacy and deeper love with one another and with God is what this month's all about, getting our hearts healed up. So, welcome Seth and Sarah. Come on up. Give my hand. All right. Did Rush class get dismissed? Rush class can get dismissed if they didn't already go. Logistics. Good morning. All right. So um, I just want to pray. And um, just in our agreement and welcoming the Holy Spirit, and when you declare it out, there's power in that. So I just want to do that. Put your hand on your heart and just say, Welcome, Holy Spirit. Come into my heart. All right, so I'm just going to pray now. So, Holy Spirit, I just we welcome you to deliver what you want to deliver today. And uh, we just proclaim your truth. And I pray for each one of us that we'd all receive something unique and individual to us as we listen. And we just thank you that you enlighten the eyes of our understanding. And I pray that you would just enlighten our eyes this morning, God. And I just pray that you'd blanket this place with your love. Thank you for that. God's love brings freedom. Amen. Okay. So um, it was interesting in worship this morning how just that exuberant worship brought forth healing, you know. And it's like when we give God a place in our heart, it allows him to do healing. And um, we've been talking this month about restoring the heart. And uh, we did a series on, we did a teaching on forgiveness the first week and the second week. Um, we taught on ungodly beliefs which free the mind. And it comes from Matthew 22:37, where Jesus said that we shall love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, and our mind. And this is the way through these keys to be able to, to make a way for him to come in. And um, last week I talked about how John the Baptist came to prepare the way. And in first service this morning, it was really interesting because preparing the way just kept coming up in the theme and worship. And um, for second service, I felt like God had already in the Spirit made a way for people to receive what was going to be said today. And, um, but so worship was a little bit different for second service, which is, is great. It was amazing. But, um, you know, John the Baptist said that we were preparing the way for um, the King of Glory to come in. And we were making the places straight that were crooked and bringing the mountains low and the valleys high so that we can prepare a way for for God to come in. And the reason why is because God is calling our church into a a new level of intimacy with him. And, you know, um, uh, William Wright last week talked about how God's got a new level uh, for us, one more level, and I feel like that has a lot to do with intimacy. And I really feel like this is going to impact marriages 
and family relationships and friendships that will be able to experience intimacy with God on a new level, and it will really impact, you know, the relationships in our lives. And I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, so the way that that can come is through the keys that we're teaching about, among other keys, but these are some um, very significant ways that we can make a way for the King of Glory to come into our lives. And um, this morning in particular, I was just feeling like, uh, you know, we have an inheritance as God's kids, his sons and his daughters, and that inheritance is intimacy with him. And it's also abundant life. You know, we have an inheritance. And the enemy wants to steal our inheritance by, you know, kind of jumping on those wounding experiences in our lives that cause, you know, the places to be crooked, you know. And, um, you know, imagine if your parents or one of your parents was to die and you were to receive, like, the things in your house that you really treasure, you know, in your parents' house or the finances that come from all their hard work in this life and, and someone was going to take it from you. They were going to take that away from you. You would fight for that, you know. You would want, you know, to to make sure that you got your inheritance. And, and that's something that the enemy tries to do. And this is a way that we can take our inheritance back by letting God come in and heal our hearts. And this morning we're talking about judgments. I'm going to describe them in a moment. But as our hearts are released from judging people, it makes room in our hearts to love him more and other people more. And, it, and, and because judgments block true intimacy, yeah. they actually block true intimacy in our lives. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to describe judgments, but I want to tell you this story first to give you a clear example of how judgments operate in our lives. We have some friends of ours that um, have taught us a lot about healing and restoration. Um, it's not Scott and Stephanie Jones, though, because this story sounds a lot like Scott and Stephanie Jones, but it's not. But, um, <laughs> so they, uh, this couple that we know, uh, in their marriage, they'd be driving around, you know, in the car together. And whenever she was in the driver's seat, she would make mistakes a lot. She would, you know, accidentally bump into things or drive too fast when she was meaning to go slow or vice versa. And, and there was always this tension between them because he would get really irritated with her. But then she started noticing that when he wasn't in the car and she was driving, she wouldn't make those same mistakes. She was fine. And they heard this teaching on judgments, and they realized something there's some fruit here there's something tension in their lives that is a repeat pattern and um the husband realized through god revealing it to him that he had judged his mother because his mother was a really bad driver I, I, apparently she was legitimately a bad driver <laughs> and she would run into things and was just always getting in trouble with her driving and it really annoyed him and he judged his mom and when he was in the car with his wife that judgment had influenced her it was actually influencing her to be that way so he realized that forgave his mom repented of judging her and forgave his wife as well because you need to forgive everyone and um, even though she didn't really do anything wrong it was his problem but um, forgiveness just paves the way and so he forgave her and they had no more problems like she could drive fine all the time and um, it was just a clear, it's a clear picture of how judgments work. I'm going to describe a judgment. It happens when you make a condemning opinion of someone. They're usually a sinful reaction to hurt or difficult situations, even annoyances like that, uh, from our childhood and throughout our lives. It isn't just in our childhood. Um, and it can be, you know, when you're a kid, you 
have this wound or this judgment and there's this inability to forgive and you, you don't know you need to forgive. It's just human nature. It happens. It's the cycle of things. And um, we have this unforgiveness and it has like there's a root that that is, is there. It's, they call it a bitter root. And there's a bitter root judgment that's in that place and it's locked in. And um, it makes a way for those judgments to operate and the fruit from them to impact the people in our lives. And expectancy is what happens when you have a judgment. It's a habitual way of looking at things or people that can become like a self-fulfilling prophecy. And it's where we unconsciously cause people to fulfill our notion of how life is going to go. And so the thing that you've judged, you subconsciously expect in your life. So how are they reaped in our lives? We sow judgment and we reap them. So there's two ways. One is we either act out our own judgment, or the other way is someone significant in our life acts out our judgment. So in Romans 2.1, it says, Therefore, you you are without excuse. Every one of you who passes judgment, for in that you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. So an example of that would be if you have an alcoholic parent, Growing up, it was really wounding. There was a lot of difficulty that arose from that. You grow up, and you are an alcoholic. You know, you judged your parent. You're seeing the fruit in your life. And then the second way is if other people in your life act out your judgment. In Hebrews 12:15, it says, See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled or contaminate. So this is a true story. There was a woman who um, had an alcoholic father, and her alcoholic father, like through control and manipulation, caused her mother to kind of be the, you know, breadwinner for the family. And she kind of, in a sense, had to support his habit through that, and he would, like, take from the family and all that stuff. So she was really wounded by that. She grows up, gets married. Her husband is an alcoholic, and she supports the family and in a sense you know supporting his habit and then she gets a divorce so she's done with that marries another guy he becomes an alcoholic and she in a sense supports the family and you know it's really difficult for her gets a divorce similar situation she gets married again the man who wasn't an alcoholic becomes an alcoholic and the same pattern repeats and finally she got counseling the common denominator was her in all those situations and she realized it through counseling that she had judged her father she repented she forgave she broke the judgment and her husband was completely free and had no longer issues with alcohol you know and that is the power of our judgment it actually defiles the people around us and it causes them to be influenced by our judgment and they end up doing the thing that that we hated by the power of our expectancies these things are always subconscious. They're on a subconscious level. We hardly even realize them. And, um, but, the, but the easiest way to see them is through the patterns in our lives when you see repeat patterns. And sometimes I'll even just say, okay, I keep seeing this pattern. I have no idea where it's coming from, but it keeps happening. So what have I judged? What have I done? You know, what do I believe that's not true if it's an ungodly belief? But um, they're below the surface, and sometimes they're obvious to other people, but they're not as obvious to us. You know, our friends could tell us that. But we'd be like, what are you talking about, you know? And um, I think the, the key is to pray that other people realize it, that God reveals it to them, not us tell them. <laughs> oh, it's easy to do. Um, but let me just throw some examples uh, out that are 
things that you commonly see in life. Some of them are based on true stories. A daughter judges her father for dominating her mother. It really frustrated her growing up. She couldn't stand it. Her, her father would kind of use her mom as a doormat. But she grows up and dominates her husband and is controlling to him. A son judges a mother for being critical of him. Every time they're out in public or every time she's with her friends, she seems to like say negative things about him when he's in there. And it really makes him feel disrespected and not worthy. Um, and he uh, grows up. He has a boss who's a woman. And she tends to be quite critical of him and is always, you know, kind of making him feel humiliated in front of people. And then he gets married and his wife does the same thing. He's angry with his boss. And his, his wife, he's angry with them. But what he doesn't realize is it's his judgment coming out and he's seeing the fruit of it in his life. Uh, someone judges their father for being absent and they get married and their spouse is absent. Um, and this week in particular I was praying and I really sensed that God wanted to do something in our hearts as a church in the area of finances and judgments. And um, he wants to do healing in our hearts and the basis of finances. I don't know why, but I just was sensing that this week. So here's some examples of how you can have a judgment in the area of money. Um, maybe your father didn't handle money well, and then it turns out that like the husband or the men in your life, if you're not married, don't handle money well, aren't responsible with their, their money. Um, Maybe your mother made extravagant purchases to, like, medicate pain. If she's frustrated, she'd go to the mall. And um, so it really affected you because, you know, that was maybe your money for vacation. Or, you know, you were just wounded because you could tell she was going to that instead of God. And you do the same thing when you grow up. That's the way you know how. And you judged your mom. You're in pain. You're upset about something. You're in pain. You just go to the mall. I can kind of relate with that one. Um, I definitely like to go to the mall. Um, but uh, there's also, like, the idea that maybe your parents didn't trust God in their finances, and, and you were upset with that because you knew that God was going to take care of it, and then you grow up and you have a hard time trusting God in your finances. Or, say, your parents never seem to have enough, and you grew up and you never seem to have enough. There's a potential that you could have judged them. But God wants to heal our financial hearts. Like there's an area in our hearts that has all to do with money, and God wants to bring freedom in those areas. Say you have an ungodly belief about money that God doesn't agree with, you know. We can break those. So I have a story for you, a personal story. But it's okay because we've asked our parents permission to share these things, and they're totally fine with it. <laughs> Glory, Lord. So, so uh, growing up, um, my dad worked a lot. He was a hard worker. How many know my dad's a hard worker? And I, I very much appreciate that. I think that is one of the ways that he's shown me love, and I really appreciate that. But there's another side to it. And, um, you know, he'd, he'd work at work, and then he'd come home, and he'd work a lot in the house. And... Um, you know, obviously there's some, some things there because when I got married, I married Seth Gerber, who is a hard worker. We all know that, too. He's a hard worker. So he's going places. He's doing stuff. And, um, and I, I realized when we were married that he, like, would, would do work, and he'd come home and he'd want to do more work, and it would just create this tension in our marriage. There was some tension there, some, some difficulty. 
and I realized I judged my dad for working a lot and I needed to forgive him. So I realized that my judgment was affecting our relationship, that tension was there. And so I forgave my dad, I forgave Seth, I repented for judging. And honestly, like, there's no tension. It's, it's amazing how it works so powerfully. Like, we still have a lot going on, but I don't feel, like, the same uh, frustration at him that I used to feel. And uh, that's the power of breaking judgments. It's like, even though situations are still there, the tension's gone, and there's just not that same anger, frustration, or hurt. And Seth, in, in some ways has really changed a lot in how he thinks about work, and I'll let him continue the story. Right, so a lot of times in relationships and marriages especially, um, your issues like this feed into each other. And so in this situation, our issues fed into each other. Sarah judged her dad for working. I was, I was doing that. I was, you know, I was acting that out. But in my own life... Um, my family grew up, we were busy all the time. That was my, the culture of our family. My dad was a pastor. We're always helping people, going to events, um, always constantly having people over, constantly serving those people and cleaning up and uh, go, 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 go. That was my life. So I, I realized that, um, in fact, I was just talking, I was talking to my mom about this and my mom said, you know, her growing up, she said that her mom told her, never be idle, always be productive, don't waste time. And so it's kind of this generational thing. And I know that's the same with, with Sarah's dad. You know, there's, the, there's reasons why he worked hard, too. There's a, this generational thing that gets passed down. So, um, so I judge my mom and my dad for being busy and working all the time, and I'm acting that out. Okay, so now two forces combined against me to be working all the time <laughs> and to not value relationship. And that was, I think, the core of what it is, was Sarah didn't feel like I valued relationship, that I valued work over relationship. And so um, that is something, like she said, we have, you know, we've forgiven the people that have been involved, we've broken the judgment and the agreement with the judgment, and we don't have that conflict anymore. Isn't that great? So, so yeah, so I feel... And the other, the other thing that can work itself out is my, my judgment of um, feeling like I need to be working all the time, I can actually project that on Sarah. And so she feels like when I'm at work, she's got to be working all the time because I'm working all the time. And so there's this, like... It's kind of a, that's the second piece to this whole thing that she can feel uh, an expectation or feel bad if she's, if she's not working when I'm working. Yeah. So, um, and all that breaks down intimacy. Pardon me? It breaks down intimacy. That's exactly right. And Sarah mentioned that. The judgments tear apart intimacy, you know. And there's things that, because of judgments, are built up between us that um, once we break those things down, we are able to be closer and we are able to have a more intimate relationship. And it's, with, it's, our, it's not just marriage, it's rela- friendships and ma- relationships, and it's our relationship with God as well. So in Matthew um, 7, 1 through 2, uh, it says, Judge not, lest you be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and the measure you give will be measured back to you. 
And in, uh, in, in James 4, 11 and 12, it says, Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother, speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But you judge the law. You are, if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver, not us, who is able to save and destroy. Who are you to judge another? So I got another simple little example. Sarah and I are driving together in the car yesterday. And um, this was yesterday. For some reason, we, we, had, we were in the car. There's icicles hanging down over our, um, over our garage. And for some reason, she got this icicle in her hair. And so we're driving down the road. I kind of glance at her. I'm like, what's that? There's an icicle in her hair. So I grab it out of, out of her hair. I'm like, oh, this is funny. And we kind of laugh about it. She takes it. She rolls down the window. And she goes to throw the icicle out the window. And it hits the frame. The icicle hits the frame of the window and falls back in. How many of you have done that? Okay. So in my mind... I said, she always, she never can throw the thing out the window when she's trying to throw the thing out the window. Please, why doesn't she ever throw it out the window, okay? Judgment, okay. So, five, I'm eating an apple. Five minutes later, I roll down my window. I'm not joking with you. I throw the core out the window, which I always do perfectly. And I don't do it perfectly. I hit the edge of the window frame. It splatters all over the place. There's apple everywhere. I'm like, oh my gosh, are you serious? What's that? I did. I totally. It's such a. S- <laughs> yeah. And then I go, I only do it when you're in the car. I said, you wouldn't believe how many times I like roll down the passenger side and like whiz my banana peel out the window and it's just perfect. And I'm always so proud of it. And he was like, oh really? And then he said, that's funny because I always get mad because you're always so worried about the car being clean and you're the one who's always messing it up trying to throw things out the window. And I was like, I judged you because you always trash the car. Yeah, we we forget. Well, I did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I'm like, stop, like, stop doing that. We're gonna break. We're gonna break this cycle. So it's amazing, and that's a very small, small, small aspect, and very not serious at all. But it gets, it can get very serious very quickly, right? I mean, God says, don't judge, lest you be judged. And you know, when we judge, and we have a condemning opinion about something that's happened, we take the place of the judge. And in Matthew, it clearly says it's not, it's not our role. It's not our role to be the judge. It's not our role to decide that what someone else did or didn't do is, is right or wrong. It's God's role to do that. You know, we want divine justice a lot of times. People can, people can hurt us. Or, or maybe they hurt someone else, and we can judge that situation. We can judge that thing that they did was wrong. It was bad. And obviously there's some judgment that is necessary and good. There's no question about that. So I'm not saying that we never should judge. But what I am saying is when we make a condemning opinion about someone or a situation and we call forth justice that we want them to pay for what happened, that's not our role. That's God's role.
Sometimes we meditate on the hurt or the pain that someone's caused us. And we justify, you know, that pain. And so our our thought process goes to why they should pay or why they should be, you know, why they should be, be in pain. You know what? We don't know their hearts. You know, we all struggle with stuff. It's like it's like a double standard is set up. Because we want to judge other people for the things that they do that are wrong. And we want them to pay for that stuff. But do we want that for ourselves? Heck no. I don't want that for myself. I don't want, pe- I don't want to be judged for the stuff that I do. Because last I checked, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Right? We've all fallen short of the glory of God. In James 2.13 Judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And that's the word today is for us to be merciful. It's, you know, and Christ is, mer- Christ is merciful. On the cross, He paid. He paid for all those. He paid for all that stuff. You know? He's forgiven people. Can we forgive people? He's given them mercy. His Spirit's in us, so I would say yes. He's given us the ability to have mercy and to forgive. Colossians 2, 13-15 And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He has made alive together with Him, having forgiven all of your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And He had taken it out of the way. He nailed it on the cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers, He made a public, public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. He took care of that on the cross. We don't want to. We don't want to. We. <laughs> oh man, yeah. We don't want to. We don't want to pull that that out of the grave and try and re, and try and relive that something that Christ has paid for. Amen. So the common factor through this whole thing, and Sarah mentioned it, is us, yeah. right? And it takes a lot of courage not to 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 look at someone else and point the finger that well, that, yeah, this teaching is good for them. How many of you have thought this? This teaching would be really good for this person if they were here. <laughs> yeah. One thing that I've learned that in any conflict I have in my life, any conflict I have, no matter what it is, you know, your instant reaction is frustration with the other person. Always. That's always the reaction. But I have learned to always actually evaluate my part. And so in any conflict with anyone, um, I don't always do this, but a lot of times I'll just ask God to show me what my part is in this because every every time you have something it's an opportunity to grow it's an opportunity to learn and so it's amazing how when I do ask God what my part is I'm like oh my word actually this whole conflict is my problem <laughs> you know and and I can grow and learn from every single situation and so that that intuitive human nature to always point blame and point the finger and see the plank in someone else's eye you know, it's, it's a really good thing to train yourself to always go to God and ask Him what your part in this is. Yeah, and if you continue Matthew 7, um, 3 through 5, it talks about that exact thing. It talks about the, you know, the trying to remove a speck in someone else's eye with the plank that's in our eye. You know, and just being willing to let down our pride and to ask God what in us, 
you know, could be the issue. And, you know, a lot of these situations, they're recurring situations, like the divorcee situation. It's a recurring situation that happens in your life. Like our conflict with um, working all the, you know, Sarah feeling like I'm working all the time, and that, that contention that was just there all the time. And we're like, why? What is this? And so look for reoccurring situations yes. in your life yes. that aren't bearing good fruit. Yes. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what the heart of that is. It could be an ungodly belief we talked about last week. It could be a judgment that you've made. Okay? And, and then break agreement with it. Break agreement with it. Repent for taking it on. Remember, it's your issue. The judgment is your issue. Other people might be acting really weird and crazy and it's causing a lot of conflict, but a lot of times it's actually your issue. So I encourage you guys to look at yourself. So forgive, repent, break agreement. Forgive anyone that was involved in that whole thing. And, and you can find freedom. Okay. Um, so I'm going to tell a story to finish up. And uh, maybe we can pass those out. <clears throat> so we're passing out the kind of the resource, which it, it guides you through. I mean, it just tells what it is. It guides you through a prayer if you're, you're acting it out or if other people are acting a judgment out on you. There's, it's just a little bit different prayer. But verbalize it. Speak it out loud. Okay? It's valuable to speak out loud. Forgiveness. Breaking the judgment. Breaking agreement. <clears throat> okay, so when I was a kid, I was homeschooled. Some of you might know that. Homeschool heroes. Woo! Yes. Unite! <laughs> All right. And so that meant that I was with my family all day long. Mother, brother, sister, in the same house, homeschool, all together. My dad's a pastor. Sometimes he's in and out. I mean, we're good quality family time. A lot of the time. Yeah, I don't know if it... Yeah, anyway. So we spend a whole day together. And I'm like, okay, I'm done with my family. I just want to hang out with my friends. I want to get out of here for a little bit. I want a little bit of freedom. And I was kindly reminded by my mother that tonight was family night. And I thought to myself, I had family night all day. I'm done with, no, I don't want family night tonight. Okay, obviously family night's not a bad thing. Okay, it's good that you families hang out together. Um, but in that moment, I judged my mom for, for managing my time in my schedule, okay? And, again, no fault of hers. This is my thing. This is how I responded to this feeling of hurt that I had, okay? Blow the surface. So, fast forward to Sarah and I being married. She has the planner. She writes down things that we're going to do because we need to be on the same page and stay organized. And... It got to the point where I felt that she was scheduling my time all the time. Friday night we're doing this. Saturday night we're doing this. Sunday afternoon we're doing this. Sunday, oh, oh, oh shoot, we're meeting. Yeah, this person's coming over and we're hanging out with them on Saturday morning. I forgot about that. And it's like all this stuff that I got to do. And I'm like, no, why is she managing my time? Why is she controlling my time? I just want a little bit of my time. Exactly. That's what she was doing. <laughs> and, and I realized that um, I, this was a point of contention with Sarah and I. It was this ongoing, like, why do you keep scheduling things and I don't want to get scheduled and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And so we, I mean, we had definite um, fights about 
that whole scheduling thing. So we realized it's a, rep, it's a rep, repetitious, you know, it's a reoccurring pattern in our lives. So we asked the Holy Spirit, what is this? And it turns out it wasn't her scheduling me at all. It was me that I had judged my mom, and I was reaping that in our relationship. And so broke agreement, repented of my part, repented of the judgment that I, that I took on, and forgave anyone that was involved. And since then, we don't have any conflict with our schedule. Isn't that great? It's amazing, yeah. It's amazing. So um, we've found freedom in this. There's been freedom that God's brought us through this. And, and it, you know, again, it goes to being willing to ask the Holy Spirit, what is at the root of this? What in me needs to be changed? Where do I need to forgive? Where do I need to repent, God? And so, you know, we really want to encourage you. You guys have the purple sheets that lead you through the judgment. I really want to encourage you. Block some time out. You know, if you can come on a Sunday morning and hear information and your mind can process it, but physically acting it out and, and, and doing it, that actually makes real change. I talked to someone after, second, after first service, and they said, you know what? I, God pinpointed one thing for me to go after. And, and that's what we've been praying for, that God just drops something in your mind, that God drops something in your head that you can go and address. And you can do it by yourself, or you can do it with someone. If you're married, a lot of times it's good to do it as a married couple. It kind of helps. Um, but, yeah, so let's pray. All right. Holy Spirit, all, all service, we've been welcoming you and making a way for you and, and allowing you to draw us closer to yourself. And so, Father, we just pray that you will take us another step closer to you. Father, the things that bind us up, that prevent us from being intimate with you, from being intimate with our friends and in our marriages, uh, God, we just ask that you'll pinpoint those things in our lives and that you will help us to, to walk, that, walk that forgiveness out and walk that judge, that, the, the repentance and the, the breaking off of that judgment, God. We believe that uh, you want freedom for us, Father. We believe that you want prosperity in our relationships. And so we ask for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, I'd like to invite Adam up. It's really good.